What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> I'll give it a try sometime soon, but I'm going to stick with Casa for now. Mm-hmm. Well, I say we just get this started, guys. Heck yeah. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. It's good to talk to everybody. And then, Beautiful weather lately. It has been. It's been perfect. Today's guest, John Hast. John, what all do you do? Man, right now I am filling in as an acting deer and elk program coordinator, which got me wrapped up in some interesting stuff I'm sure we'll I'm sure. talk about. And then uh, in my previous life, I, I covered bears, pigs, and... Fur uh, bear. Fur bear, yep. So that's pretty much the bulk of them. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I yep. feel like pretty much the bulk of them right now. a good number of them. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I really don't know where to start today because modern firearm season's coming up this weekend. Yep. There have been some changes to some of the fur bear, which are also over rules and regs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're in the full swing of deer season, even if you're not a gun hunter. I mean, right now, I can't tell you how much activity I'm seeing. This morning, I called in. I was coyote hunting. I called in a buck with a rabbit distress. I swear he was coming in. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just seeing so much action. we got so much coming up right around the corner. You're also over bear. And I've been already looking ahead, thinking about bear season this year because I filled the buck tag, so I'm just itching to get out there and... You know, doe, yep. doe hunting's fun, but the bear's yep. definitely definitely on the mind. And I think I picked out a new piece of public land to try this year. I actually read about it in a Kentucky Field magazine, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the name of it, which is probably fine. People need to do their own homework. <laughs> yeah, Get, whether we yeah, want to yeah. drop your spot yeah. or not. <laughs> well, you just pick up the magazine, and you can find out about it, too. But I say we start with, uh, with uh, deer season, because that's pretty much what's on most people's mind, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where are we at right now as far as numbers? How has the season looked this far? We'll start at the so, beginning, and then we'll work our way forward. Absolutely. I mean, it's been our September. Let me pull my chart up here because it was, it was just that good. So in 2020, we had a ridiculously high September harvest, right around 8,000 deer, uh, which is, you know, twofold higher than, than many of the years ahead of that. Yeah. So this year we're back down a little bit, but still 6,000 deer. Okay. Um, and one thing that we talked about with last year's harvest is the proportion of that harvest that was related to crossbows. Because that was new. Had increased pretty pretty high. Mm-hmm. You know, that's some stuff that we, we talked over. Uh, overall last year, the harvest didn't really increase, even though we had that big September. So my opinion is people were trading, they're picking up that crossbow or their regular archery gear mm-hmm. And killing their deer earlier in the season, yeah. which is great. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of hunter I am. Yeah. Get out when the weather's nice in September, early October. <laughs> you know. I, I wish I was hunting right now, though. You're yeah. right, but it's, I mean, there's something. October is the month. It's yeah. my favorite month by far for pretty much doing everything, mm-hmm. and that includes deer hunting. Because a lot of these times, if it's below 55 degrees or so, the mosquitoes aren't aren't an issue for you anymore, and tick numbers have dropped off a little bit. We've yep. had a frost or two. I love October. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, looking at this year's September harvest, we still killed 6,000 deer. Yeah. The proportion of that related to crossbow actually went down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in relation to, to you the know, 2,000 deer off last year, mm-hmm. but still well above, well above the five or 10 year average. For okay. That. So it was a good September. And I mm-hmm. think, I mean, we had some great weather uh, there that, you know, last two weeks uh, got down cool a little bit. September was interesting. If I remember right, I felt like we had more wind out of the east this September than we typically did. I'm just thinking back to where I hunted and why I had to hunt where I did. Mm-hmm. So wind out of the east probably probably results in a little bit cooler weather than that south or southwest wind coming up from 
you know, the plane. So I'd say that probably makes sense. A little bit cooler, but yeah. it's still hot, man, September. Yeah. Still hot. People were definitely out there killing yeah. killing deer. Saw, saw a lot of nice deer. And speaking of, so the weather relationship to deer harvest, that's something everybody always talks about because the number one driver in harvest is participation, right? And the number mm -hmm. one driver of participation is probably weather. Really is. Yeah. And I think that from what I've heard, youth season was kind of a perfect example of that. It was, yeah. So our early youth season, that uh, what's that, the second uh, second weekend of October, it was, you know, killed 2,000 deer. You know, back in 2019, we killed 5,600 deer that weekend. Yeah, so it so wasn't very high. Quite a bit off. And if I remember, I'm pretty sure I mowed the yard that Sunday and completely sweated out my T-shirt. Yeah. You know, it was hot. It was really, it was almost, it was like mid-80s to almost yeah. 90s. Yeah. And if you're thinking about sitting like, even in a deer blind that's baking in the sun, I mean, it, mm -hmm. it was hot. And those deer probably just weren't moving that well. Yep. But yep. it, it's dropped off. Like the weather's dropped off in these past few weeks. It's just been getting better and better and better. And right now, these mornings, I know it's almost 70 today, but this morning it was, you know, 40, 45, something yeah. like that. It's well, we just, had, I mean, I had frost on the ground. Yeah, it's perfect. In my house. So, I mean, I've had frost on the ground every every morning this week. So, so looking ahead to modern firearm season, I, I'll get your opinion on this, John, but personally, I would give my right pinky for a buck tag to still be buck hunting because it seems like things are just lining up perfect. All the deer, it's like daily. I mean, every time I'm out, I'm seeing deer activity and it seems like it's picking up more and more and more. My trail cameras are telling me that the activity has moved more towards the middle of the day. It's like anywhere from nine o'clock to 10.30 or 11 o'clock, I'm seeing deer like crazy on my trail cameras, probably more so than I am even at night right now. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it's gonna be a perfect opening weekend. And I haven't looked ahead to the weather. I might wanna go ahead and do that just to see what it's going to be like. Um, Looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little rain coming through uh, Thursday, and then I consider just the weather that I looked at cold. Cold? You mm -hmm. know, highs in the 40s, below freezing at night. You don't get very I many. mean, isn't that good news? I'm looking oh, at, yeah. I'm looking at yeah. Frankfurt right now, so it might be a little bit different for other parts of the state. Saturday, the 13th, the low is 30, the high is 43, and it looks like it's going to be partially cloudy, which is like, you know, if I could draw it up, I might make it two degrees colder, but that's pretty much spot yeah. on. Yeah, just an opening weekend uh, that, that's getting below freezing is, yeah. is mm -hmm. not that common. That's awesome. And then yeah. Monday, even looking into next week, I mean, it's going to be 20s or 30s as the low for pretty much the entirety of next week, all the way through Tuesday the 23rd. So you're talking the first 10 days of modern firearm season with lows in the, you know, near freezing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to be out there doing something. I know I'll be doe hunting, <laughs> but I mean, I just want to see those bucks coming across the field in the morning, you know, still a layer of frost on it. Yep. And you can see their breath when they're out there. Oh, I, I've got to find a way to get myself back out. I'm going to be taking somebody hunting, something like that, because I've just got the itch too bad not to go. Yeah. Speaking of that, that's that deer from this year. Holy cow. Yeah, I yeah. Got, brought him in. This uh, Jameson picked up his rack from the taxidermist for me yesterday just so I could throw a tape on him and see what he goes. Nice. Yeah, but he uh, he was a good deer. That's pretty that's pretty dang good. I don't think we've done a podcast since I killed that deer. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he came in. I mean, I, I'd rattled in a whole bunch of small bucks. I think this was October 23rd or 22nd. And, I, you know, I had had that deer. He's a 10-pointer he's a about 20 inches inside. He scored out like 160. But I'd had him on trail camera up until August the uh, 10th. And August the 10th, he, I never saw him again. Mm -hmm. And I heard a report, somebody called me, and they said they saw a big deer from the road about three quarters of a mile from where I'd been hunting. 
and they described him perfectly. Real good twos and threes, short fours. So I was like, well, I know which direction he moved. Still never could find him, never could find him. I'd given up on all my mature bucks. I mean, they'd all disappeared or been shot. And so finally, I just said the thickest area that I can possibly hunt, thickest area around, most cover, I'm going to start hunting there. And I hunted it for a week, and I'd actually hunted it the morning I killed him. And when I was changing out batteries in a trail camera after my morning hunt, I looked and I saw a brand new rub, a big cedar tree, probably eight inches in diameter that had just been shredded. And I said, that, I, that had not been like that before. And the whole reason I went to change my batteries in my trail camera was because I was planning on hunting somewhere else in the evening. You know, typically I wouldn't walk around my area and leave a bunch of scent all over the place and touch things. And if I was planning on going back that afternoon, that afternoon I went to the other spot I was planning on hunting, walked all the way in like 500 yards and got set up. And I just felt like something like I was like, I need to be in that other spot where I saw that big rub. So I got out of the st out of that stand, went all the way around to the other spot, climbed up late and rattled him in 45 minutes later. And he came in tearing up bushes and brush and all kinds of stuff. It took about 10 minutes from when I first saw him 50 yards away to finally find a shot opening to get an arrow in him. But it was, I was tickled to death, dude. That's like, a great deer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was the best deer I had on camera yeah, all year. Sure. And I scout hard. I mean, I run yeah. several cameras and I was tickled to death with that deer. Yeah. So, and he'd actually been hit by a car the year before. And oh. I, I know who hit him. He uh, he was missing two inches of his gum, and he, his teeth were all broken off the left side of his jaw. Mm -hmm. And uh, and because I, I tried to get Kyle Sams, a biologist up here, to age him, and he said that when they've broken teeth or had injuries to their jaw like that, it's really hard to get a accurate age on them because they'll start chewing differently, and you can't even tell what the wear pattern's like on that one side. So technically, yep. I couldn't get him aged. But um, when I told that story to some other guys that hunt near me, he's like, my his wife's cousin had hit a deer on the road and turned out to be that deer last year. Same side, left side of the jaw. But that's why I don't have a buck tag anymore. But I'm not complaining about no, it. No, I can't complain about that one. No, no that's doubt. that's probably that's one of my favorite deer I've ever taken. Yeah. But rattling them in like that, I mean, that's my favorite way to hunt. Jameson got a monster and you did too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a good year around here. Mm -hmm. Now if we can just get Chad one. Go down. Chad's, <laughs> you know, we, we started hunting a new property for the show this year. And uh, it's we, we got access on this property because the farmer just has so much crop damage and he wants does taken like crazy and he's actually out there combining today and i've gotten several angry texts about the, the crop damage so you know I, we've taken six does off that property so far this year and that's nowhere near enough so we'll be out there continuing to do that but chad's been a bit more selective on the show this year as far as what buck he's going to take just because greater number of deer you know and we're seeing plenty of good deer so we've passed up some pretty decent deer you know 120s and 130s and i'd say at this point if something one you know high 130s comes through he's probably going to smoke it but you know just like with every other hunter it's whatever you want to take and just because just because chad's hunting with a camera and for a tv show you know one thing I, I like about the way he does it is that his expectations don't change at all he's still being himself out there it's not like he thinks he has to shoot a 170 or 180 just because he's got a camera with him he's going to shoot whatever deer makes him happy and that's pretty much how I look at it, how everybody should do it, you know. So we're out there, and if he sees a buck he wants to take, then we will take it. And yeah. i got a feeling we'll probably be out there during gun season, too, if it doesn't happen between now and then. So yeah. I'll be out there taking does. And probably, since I think the farmer told us he wants 24 taken, I'll probably be taking some of those to Hunters for the Hunger. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, you got some work to do. Yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> I, I'm worried about uh, ammo. <laughs> ammo. I'm thinking right now I've got two arrows and I've got so many number of 308 shells and I'm trying to add up how yeah. can I make it work because it's hard to find ammo right now. And honestly, if somebody's listening to this podcast, it's Tuesday. If you're planning on going hunting this weekend. You better get on it. Yeah, you better go check and make sure you got what you need or you better start looking because there's going to be, how many how many people gun hunt in the state each year, John? Uh, it's about, I mean, you're talking uh, probably about 300,000. About 300,000 people are going to yeah. be looking for ammo between yeah. now and this Saturday. So, so it's going to be tough. Yeah. Let's see. But anyway, so the, as far as what, what I think, my personal opinion, John, this modern firearm season's laying out perfectly, and that's based on absolutely nothing other than what I've been seeing, and now that I look at the weather, that too. Yep. Uh, it just seems like the perfect opportunity for a hunter to be in the field. It also seems like the perfect opportunity for deer to be cruising. Mm -hmm. So yep. I was watching a video with you recently, and you were kind of previewing modern, modern firearm season in the video, and you used a different indicator to predict when the rut was going to be at its peak. And I think you said November the 17th or yeah, something like and that. Yeah, that, and that falls into my mind as sort of, so that's the measured peak of the rut by, by fetal measure. And see, I thought that was a, that was a great stat. Now, it's one of those <laughs> things. I thought, that was a one. I thought that was a great stat. He's, yeah. The rest of us are, are looking at trail cam <laughs> photos and we're, we're thinking about all this stuff. John here bases the peak of the rut on uh, when the when the fawns are conceived, that would be, that would be actual yeah. date of conception yeah. averaged out. Yeah, it's, and that comes down to I mean, you know, I'm not going to bet my house on November 17th. It's hard to argue with that data. You're, yeah, you're taking a measurement <laughs> the the you know the white tail fetal scale, and this is something that you know any hunter can find one online. Yep. Okay, uh, and look at their own deer if they're if they're uh, Probably not necessarily late muzzle loader, but if you're a January archery hunter, mm -hmm. you're to the point where you'll actually be able to, to find that fetus and measure it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it varies. It varies as you go across the state, uh, which you know we kind of expect, mm -hmm. but uh, just by a few days. Yeah. Um, but so I, I just thought that was a really, really cool uh, <laughs> way to guess what to judge when it's going to be. That's a kind of a tool that the average hunter doesn't necessarily have. Yeah, but yeah. according to your research, it's about November seventeenth. Now, I'll, in terms of I'll in like terms it. of peak chasing, that yeah. probably comes a little bit before. Yeah, you know, is that lockdown time? Are we in the lockdown when that seventeenth comes around? It's hard to say. Explain to me the lockdown. It's a good question. You're not talking to the to the champion big buck hunter, but uh, so technically by lockdown, when I think of that term, it gets thrown around a lot. I th and I think it probably varies based on piece of property and the specific deer you have in on those properties. Mm -hmm. But essentially, that term refers to what people are talking about when they're saying a big buck has got a, 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 some does locked down. Yeah. And they aren't necessarily chasing and he's not cruising trying to find them, but they're pretty much, you know, comfortable where they're at and they're not moving a whole lot. Yep. So that's, and, that's my interpretation. And I've, I've seen it happen at our place in Ohio County where. You know, the week before they're running wild and they're covering several hundred acres. Mm -hmm. And then it's locked down to me is they go into some places that we clear cut mm -hmm. and just literally live in that in that thick stuff. Now, would all you know? bucks lock down or would it just kind of be the dominant bucks in the area? At least in my experience, it's been the dominant bucks. Yeah, because it seems like the small, if the dominant bucks got three or four does with them, then those small bucks, they're probably still out looking for does. Yeah. But, it should it should be a good season. I'm looking forward to it. There are some things that people in the far western part of the state need to know as far as the CWD surveillance zone. 
you want to hit on those real quick? Yeah, happy to do it, and that's what we're gearing up. I'm actually, when we get out of here, going to get everything loaded up and head. You're going down way. west? Yeah. So we've got five counties in West Kentucky, and I we can start out from the, kind of give some foundational information here. Tennessee found CWD less than eight miles from our border, south of uh, Callaway County. And so when we got that information back in early September, we enacted uh, you know, we drew a 30-mile radius around their positive, and every county that fell in that 30-mile radius is part of the surveillance zone. Uh -huh. um, so that is Marshall, Callaway, Graves, Hickman, and Fulton. Uh -huh. And every deer that's harvested in those counties during modern gun and our late muzzleloader season as well need to come through one of our mandatory check stations. Uh -huh. um, we're trying to make that as easy on the hunter as we can. We understand that it's an extra burden. It's something that, uh, you know, they're going to be doing differently this year. That's um, the way they did it back in the day, though. It oh, is. We, you know, we've gotten is. so many complaints from people. Some, I know, exactly. but all I hear is nostalgia about, yeah. I miss the check stations. I got yeah. to see everybody's deer. We'd all drink coffee and commiserate. Right. Yeah, everybody wants the check stations brought back. Well, here they are. Here they are. Here, here they, they are. are. Yeah, we got them. Get on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I got I got a great check station story if we get to it. We'll get from, to it from from my childhood. But uh, so ideally, so we're going to have seventeen of check stations. And they're online. They're online. They're distributed through those counties. When we map them out, it's really no more than ten air miles from any hunter to get to one. Yeah. So if you're within those five counties, you're within ten miles of a check station yeah. at all times. Correct. Correct. Except for one little sliver of of Hickman County up there by the river. But okay. It's like eleven miles. Okay. Um, trying to make the process as easy as we can. We've got, we're running through about 150 to 170 staff okay. of fish and wildlife. So you're not just gonna, it's not just your wildlife biologists. Uh, oh, it's everybody. We're, we're bringing in everybody from everywhere to work those check stations so that we can keep the line moving, not slow people down. Um, and really the, the, the important thing is sort of for folks what, what to expect when they get there. We've got a great YouTube video that mm -hmm. Kentucky Field did oh, for Sankster us. Sankster did that actually. Yeah, yep. Nathan Sankster. He did that. Um, and essentially if you've killed a doe and you've got it hanging in the barn, just cut that head off with two, three, four inches of neck and bring it to us. Mm -hmm. And it can literally be like you're in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. You pull up, we take some info, you give us the head and you're on your way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one thing I want to point out is it doesn't have to be the same day. Uh -huh. You can you can it, kill it a deer. It might move a little quicker than the Chick Fil A. It might. I don't know. It Chick Fil A is pretty efficient. <laughs> they're, they're, for, what they, for what they do. Yeah, there's one that's a, that's really efficient. That's Chick Fil A. So. Mm -hmm. I tell you, the funny I keep bringing up Chick Fil A. So we're using iPads to collect our our hunter data. Just know? like they take orders. And. I noticed that Chick Fil A probably go there too much. They've got iPad cases with like a little hand. Little buckle mm -hmm. that is stuck to your hand, so yeah. that's that's what we got in their hand. So right, that's good. So, around so and for for all of you hunters out there who are worried about the time of these check stations, they're modeled directly after Chick Fil A's drive through lines. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one here, Frankfurt, my God, the line will be going way out. And you're like, my God, then you'll get out of there. I've been in there 25 minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hoping we've got we've got good staff, we've got everybody trained, yeah. and hoping to keep it streamlined. Uh, the big questions that I've been getting this week are, what do I do with my buck? Yeah. You know, we that we think, oh, I'm going to drop my head off. But obviously, if you killed a buck like you killed, you don't want to just drop it off to yeah. us. Um, so if you're doing something like a Euro mount where you don't mind, uh, you know, messing up the cape or you're not going to use the cape, you can 
bring us the whole deer or you can bring us just the head. We'll pull the sample, send you home with the, with the, the deer skull. head. Whole skull. Yep, whole skull. Takes about five minutes. We're specifically after two little, probably grape-sized lymph nodes mm -hmm. that are just inside the jawline. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, don't even hardly have to cut to get to them. You can almost reach in there with your fingers and get them out. Yeah. Um, if you've killed a big buck. Or something you want mounted. Something you want mounted. What, what you need to do, we actually have several check stations at taxidermists. Mm -hmm. So that'll take care of, you know, um, Dowdy's taxidermy, Outback taxidermy, the, the couple of the, the major ones down in that area. We're going to have a check station there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're taking it somewhere else inside the zone, come by a mandatory check station. We will just put a tag around the antlers. Mm -hmm. Most of the taxidermists know to expect that. Mm -hmm. That satisfies the mandatory check on the hunter's end, and then it's up to us. We'll follow up and get that head and yeah. get that test. Basically, out. the taxidermist will cape it out, yep. and he'll probably skull cap it, mm -hmm. cut the antlers off, and then he's got this, you know, uh, most of the skull and part of the neck he's got to discard of anyway, and that's where your samples are. So you'll exactly. just basically our our guys will just go to those taxidermists or processors and actually pull the samples out of that after the taxidermist has got what he's needed. Correct. So it won't yep. mess up the cape at all. So yep. essentially, if you've got a doe, it's super easy. And if you want a Euro mount done, you can still get everything taken at the check station. If you're going to get a shoulder mount or, say, a full body mount for the few people who can do those, um, and then you'll go to the check station. You'll get a tag put on the deer's antlers, and you'll tell the people which taxidermist you're taking it to. Take it to the taxidermist. Everything's done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's pretty pain-free. Yeah. I, I kind of wish, I mean, a check station would be fun. Because you said you got a check station story from when you were a kid. They didn't have check stations when I started hunting. But we had, you know, kind of hangouts. Like yep. it was being in Food Mart in Baghdad for uh, for us in Shelby County. That's where people would go with their deer. And I'm sure that every little town kind of had their own spot where the hunters would go and hang out and Waffle House, you know, stuff yep. like that. So yep. let's hear yours real quick. Man, well, mine was we would go. So, uh, you know, my parents have a farm in Ohio County, kind of mm -hmm. middle of nowhere. There's a little town named McGann. Mm -hmm. The check station was at the McGann store. Okay. And it wasn't even, as I remember, it wasn't even like a four-way stop there. It was, that was it. There was nothing else. <laughs> you know, it was just a store. And how we ever killed any deer in the afternoon after just being completely festooned with cigarette smoke. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, my, yeah. my grandpa knew everybody. Everybody was sitting in there. They had a little lunch counter. They mm -hmm. cooked you sandwiches. But I just remember mm -hmm. just the door would open and cigarette smoke would roll out. And then, of course, we were, you know. We'd hunt till 1030. You didn't know any better back then. No, we'd Everybody roll over there. Everybody's house like that. <laughs> right. You'd go over people and their parents smoke. would be playing cards <laughs> and having cocktails and the whole house would smell like blues. Everybody's house yeah. smelled like oh, it that. Did. And then we'd roll promptly back out and get in the deer stand yeah. and I'd, I'd remember be killing back going, I believe those are Marlboros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now... Like I think back on that, and my my granddad. I mean, he would he would have his Carhartt bibs on and have you know pour diesel from the tractor down the front end of them and pull them up, pull them on and go in the check yeah. station. This whole idea, I understand. Well, people like the did wear buffalo plaid oh, yeah. flannel shirt and yeah. jeans and hunt deer. I tell you, I take coffee to the woods. I don't I don't care about scent, yeah. and that might sound ridiculous, and and it is. I'll I'll say this. The only thing I care about is scent, and I don't care care about my scent at all because yeah. there's nothing you can do. I don't care if you use uh, all the products, you know, you got your special lotion you put on and your, your soap and your shampoo and detergent, deodorant. Yeah, you can be as scent-free as you want to. If you go in those woods, you're still putting on. Yeah. 
You're breathing. You're cranking it out. I'm saying if you're breathing, I yeah. think I read somewhere that 90% of the scent you put into the air comes directly out of your mouth. So as long as you're breathing, 90% or so <laughs> of your scent is still going into the air. So what is the point? So I literally will go straight to the woods from work or you know I'll take coffee out there with me. I'll do whatever I want to do as long as my wind is right. Because mm -hmm. that's the only thing that really matters. Yeah, so if you were playing so the wind back then when you smelled like a, a camel ad, then... Uh, I don't know what we were doing back then. Sit, <laughs> I, mean, back, I don't know. We'd sit in the corner of a bean field and yeah. hope something came out. Well, yeah, people sit there and smoke their pipe and hell, they'd yeah. smoke while deer hunting. And... Yeah, absolutely. Oh well. Whatever. Said Mr. Golf Dove hunting and he'd be over there. <laughs> he had such a tough finger that he could tamp his pipe with the end of his pink, his pointy finger on his right hand. He'd have a, I mean, a chair and he'd be like, burp, 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 because it was so calloused. Well, <laughs> and he'd be smoke flying everywhere. We shot, we shot does yeah. left and right. So. That's a, the great thing about human body, man. It's just going to do whatever you make it need to be able to do. And if you need to be able to put out a cigarette with your fingertip over time, your body's going to be able to do it. So, Yeah, yeah he, that's how you put them out. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that, though. We are not uh, promoting smoking at all. In fact, you probably shouldn't do it while hunting. No. So, as far as that goes, any other, so the check stations, we kind of got a rundown on that. There's other things in the CWD surveillance zone, too. Of course, baiting's been banned for months now. Yep. Um, that continues to be the case. And uh, if you're transporting a carcass within the CWD surveillance zone, carcass tags. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing. We'll have carcass tags. Our goal for the check station is to, you know, when you leave the check station, try to try to make sure all the, you know, kind of, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Make sure you're legal. We'll have extra carcass tags. Mm -hmm. My suggestion, and this goes, I mean, anytime we've got a, a pile of people hunting at my farm, we've got some homemade cards that we've made up there mm -hmm. because we might hang two, three deer in the barn and then everybody leaves and just, you know, just to, we've just generally got a rule that if they're hanging in the barn, they're tagged. Yeah. And that's not a bad habit to get into. We've got uh, example carcass tags online. Yeah. We've also got what you need to write down. You can yeah. put it on a post-it note if you it's want It's pretty to. much everything that's on your harvest log and plus your phone number. Yep. Is, is the way I understand it. And as far as the confirmation number goes, you still have until midnight yep. to telecheck that deer on the day that it's recovered. So it doesn't necessarily have to be called in before you transport it, because a lot of people don't get cell service. But before you show up to the check station, you do need to have it. You so, don't necessarily, but it, it, it speeds helps. up our process a lot quicker. I got gotcha. you. Uh, by law, you don't have to have it, but if you are coming to a mandatory check station, just go ahead. We're likely going to ask you while you're in line to go ahead and telecheck it. And so essentially, the mandatory check station is for pulling samples, mm -hmm. CWD surveillance, trying to find out if we have it or if we don't have it, and if we do have it, where it's at. One of the other important things is uh, carcass movement restrictions. Yep. So that five-county zone, basically, you need to draw an imaginary line around, actually, county line. You got real lines. Mm -hmm. you, you can't take a carcass out of that five-county zone. Correct. You can bring carcasses in. Yep, and you can move around within the five. Yeah, just in case there is a CWD positive deer you know, because it, it stays in the in the bones and the spinal tissue and in the brain. So Absolutely. if you were to dump that deer somewhere else, and congratulations, you just introduced CWD to a new part of the state, potentially, if your deer has it. But Absolutely. That's I, the biggest, in my mind, that's the biggest thing we can do to, you know, we haven't detected it anywhere down there. Mm -hmm. Luckily, with where it's sort of moving into our doorstep, we've got two big lakes mm -hmm. that are kind of kind of slow down the natural movement of deer. Yeah. So the only way that it's going to get out of there is somebody taking a carcass out in their pickup truck. And yeah. it's just an important, 
you know, we anybody that's gone out west to elk hunt or something, it's just an understanding that you come back with that clean skull plate, yeah. you've got your animal boned out. It's sort of a new, it's not difficult. Uh-huh. You know, I personally enjoy doing it. That's how I transport yeah. my deer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's something that's going to take some getting used to. Well, there's a great deboning video. Yeah, yep. I think our deboning video turned out pretty well. Yeah, I watched yeah, it. It's it. good. Yeah, I tried to. I think we might have talked about that too. I tried to make mm-hmm. it as concise as possible while still getting I'll put all a the info. in the magazine about it too. Good. Mm-hmm. We appreciate we'll that. It. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on that video well, too. It's very useful. Very easy to follow. There's also a carcass tag video on the Kentucky Field YouTube. The deboning video and the carcass tag video are there. The deboning video is useful for people anywhere in the state. Um, I, I take a cooler. I have a cooler I keep in my in my vehicle, and when I'm doe hunting, I'll shoot that doe, and then I'll go back to my truck and I'll get my cooler, and I'll take it out of there, and I will literally debone that entire deer where it's laying, mm-hmm. and pack my cooler out. It's a whole lot easier than taking the whole carcass to the vehicle and then cleaning it somewhere and then having to worry about what to do with that carcass. Might as well just leave it where it lies. Mm-hmm. And coyotes... I was going to say, Mr. Coyote, you'll find it. Oh, well, they, they do it so quick. Yeah, and that's the same thing I learned when I was living in a little apartment in Lexington. Yeah. I didn't. I couldn't exactly <clears throat> get a, uh, you know, drag a whole deer carcass back in anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, it was a necessity. Uh, you know, nobody understands. Nobody knows what you're packing in the cooler into yeah. the house. It's and, a step you got to take anyway. Yeah. You're eventually, I mean, you're going to have to process and clean that deer. Well, yeah. And you're really, you're adding extra steps if you don't do it in the field. Yeah. Because then you got to dispose of a carcass or you got to move a carcass. You can just process it in the field and you're done with all that. You yeah. don't got to worry about it at all. It comes down to being prepared. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things, you know, I did a whole, I did a, my Colorado elk on the tailgate of the truck last year. Yeah. Can be done. It was perfect. You know, took the me two hours. Big tailgate. Was, no problem. Well, <laughs> I know what it you came mean. back in quarters. Yeah, I know but, what you mean. You know, I had a cutting board. I had a good, you know, had had a, a good butcher knife and yeah. a good steel to sharpen it, and just took my time and put it all in ziplocs for the ride home. Something else that's kind of useful is those game bags, the cheesecloth yep. game bags. You can, because uh, like I, I always take a backpack hunting. I always have a backpack with a set of knives in it, with a set of gloves, with my hunting license, all that good stuff, and you can throw one of those game bags in your backpack pretty easily. And you can easily get a whole deer in two of those game bags. I mean, mm-hmm. they fold up literally, I mean, the size of a water bottle yep. when they're compacted. So, I mean, you can take everything you need to completely clean and carry out a deer easily in the field with you in your backpack and still have room for water and snacks and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my two cents on that. Yep. Um, well, and I'll jump in here. One other uh, check station movement requirement. People that I've talked to the last couple of weeks want to know how to get their deer to a taxidermist outside the zone. Yeah, You know, we've got a lot of traveling hunters that, that come down into Western Kentucky to hunt, and maybe their preferred taxidermist is up here in Lexington or something. Mm-hmm. The best way to handle that is to get in contact with a local taxidermist down there and just have them. If you're not, uh, you know, if you don't want to go about caping it and skull capping, which is not incredibly difficult, but, you know, we understand on a big trophy deer that you know, leave any wiggle room. It's mm-hmm. it's not that hard. People, it might be a little bit of a daunt, daunting task if you haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. The only spot that's really kind of tricky when you're caping out a deer is gonna be right around the eyes, yep. especially the tear ducts. Those are spots where you wanna make sure you have a real sharp knife, a scalpel would probably be your best bet. We did a video on how to cape a deer with a taxidermist uh, two years ago too. Mm-hmm. And he takes it all the way through step by step, basically where the incision needs to be around the body, about the midpoint, how to get the, you know, how to take care of the legs as far as where to cut, where to cut up from the legs to the incision you make around the midpoint of the body. And then um, 
the Y incision going from the, the base of the antlers down to the back of the neck to, you know, he, he covers all that and it's not that hard to follow. I got a feeling most people are probably capable of doing it. Yep. But yeah, you're right. I'm saying taxidermist down there would probably do it for a small fee. Exactly. And that's the, I think all of them, all of them understand the situation. We've got one taxidermist that's just outside the zone that's actually setting up a, a satellite shop in the zone so yeah. that he can, you know, cape and skull cap yeah. and transport them out legally. So that's, that's the best bet at that point. If you're unsure about caping, uh, tax nervous in the zone, will, they'll, they'll know exactly what you're asking for. And as far as, because this uh, check stations were acquired for early muzzleloader too. Yep. And I've gotten a little bit of info. I've, I've heard some info on that. Some of it's available on the website. I think we ran, last time I looked, 502 or 512. CWD samples. It was a five, and then another number, and then a two. Yep. I'm thinking 502 or 512. And they, you can see the results online. How many have been? Um, uh, what am I looking for? What's the word when you grab something? How many we have collected? How collected. many CWD samples have been collected? Yep. How many are still pending results? And how many we have gotten the results on? And if they're positive or negative? So right now it basically says 500. Two, let's just say, were collected, and 502 results are back all negative. Correct. So yep. that was our early muzzleloader, plus some other CWD sampling in other parts of the state. Mm -hmm. But after we start getting the modern firearm samples in, you'll be able to get on the website and check those numbers and see yep. where they're at too. I've also heard that law enforcement followed up with everybody who did not mm -hmm. um, go to a check station, and I kind of heard the reasons that people didn't go to those check stations. But all in all, I think the department. I, you know, I'm kind of in those communications meetings and I've gotten to hear the plans for how are we going to reach people with this information because that's tough. There's a lot of Amish um, communities down there in that part of the state. And mm -hmm. how, how are we going to let everybody who's going deer hunting know that they need to do this? And there were direct mail pieces sent out. Well, basically, we pulled a list of everybody for the past five years who has bought a hunting license or telechecked a deer in any of those counties. Mm -hmm. And we direct mailed them, text message, email went door to door in some cases, went to churches and things like that. I mean, it sounds like, I believe we did a really good job getting the word out, so. Yeah, and I mean, we had a ph phenomenal compliance rate. Yeah. And that speaks, I mean, we're incredibly appreciative. If we can keep that compliance rate through modern gun season, this will be a phenomenal success. Yeah, and I that, think I heard 17. Was how yeah, it was like 89% yeah. of, of deer harvested got checked, I think was the number, and that's great. You know, everybody, I just had a great time talking to the hunters. Oh, I'm sure they enjoyed the old, it too. Old school check station thing. I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy that. Um, you know, people are going a little bit out of their way. They, you know, working that into their schedule, and we're going to keep we're running the check stations eight to eight. But if there's a line, we'll stay till eight o'clock the next morning to yeah. get people handled. So, yeah. which would be a thirty-six hour shift. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, is what it is. But we'll be there. I mean, the, the whole goal is just to make it as simple for the hunter as, as, yeah. as we can. As pain-free for the hunter as you can while getting the best data possible. But, but no smoking at the tech uh, <laughs> no, station. Yeah, they, can do whatever, they can do whatever they want. They're, <laughs> they're all outside. I mean, that's a good thing to talk about with, uh, you know, we still got COVID flying around. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, that they'll all be outside, you know, come up and talk to us if you want to. If you want to keep yourself away, Everybody then, working then is you can stay in the time. car. Yeah, that's not a problem. I think I saw so. pictures and it looked like our staff was <clears throat> wearing masks at the check yes. stations and stuff yep. like that. So, yep. Yeah, and the, the, the list of check stations is online. I know that this info we're talking about right now only pertains to a small amount of people who are probably listening because it's only five counties. And how many counties do we have? Like 180? 120. 120. Yep. So it's a pretty small percent of the people who have to worry about this this year, but it's still kind of interesting. And yep. 
you know, see where things go from there. Other things about modern firearm season, just general tips, Ash, do you want to give me any? I got one big one written general down right tips. here. Well, I got, I got <laughs> the only thing on my whole list that's written in all caps is orange. That's the one. Yeah, for thing. sure. And that, man, I have, it has come in handy. I've got a second, I've probably got three or four vests and three or four hats that yeah. just live in my, you know, I got a, I got a packer box of, of deer. I can literally pull it off shelf today and go to yeah. the farm tomorrow and be yeah. ready to go. Uh, that stuff comes in handy. Have an extra set. Somebody's yeah. going to show up at camp without it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And just make sure I usually throw an extra vest in my pack because I've stuck it in a jacket pocket and then walked out and it was warm and not taking that jacket. Yeah. And, you know, got to have the orange. And don't go, you know, if you get out there and you don't have it, run to the nearest Walmart, okay. get you one. It's just not worth, not worth being out there without it. No, I mean, that's one of the things that our law enforcement, obviously, they're, you know, they have, well, they're, they're pretty strict on the orange because it's a safety issue, mm -hmm. yep. you know, it's, Absolutely. so that's one that is taken pretty seriously. And I mean, it, and knowing your property lines too, and something else this year, you know, people were message. I got some messages and we actually got emailed to the show a week or two ago, um, a guy asking, you know, he's saying he's having an issue with poachers and how can he do something about it? And, uh, you know, if you're, somebody's having an issue out there, they see something that they think's a little bit fishy. I mean, give the 1-800-25-ALERT number a call or get the KFW Law app and make an anonymous report mm -hmm. to our, our law enforcement because I've spent more time in the field with the law enforcement officers over the past year and a half than I had before. And, I mean, they want to be out there. They want the, you know, the sportsmen and women who are doing it right to have the best experience possible, and they want to basically enforce safety. And pretty much everything poacher related is trespassing or, or a safety issue or something like that. It's infringing on some other sports sportsman's, you know, ability to to have a good time in the field or be successful in the field or it's a safety issue. So mm -hmm. And you have to leave it on when you're in the field. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people wear hunter orange, take it off when they get to their stand and put it back on. Yeah, that makes no, that doesn't yeah. <clears throat> no. Why? I kind of like wearing it. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so I why mean, would you take it off when exactly. you're in the area of highest concentration of people who might right. shoot you? Even up in a tree stand. I mean, the deer don't see it. Is what it is. It's mm -hmm. a it's a safety thing. We got a lot of people out there. Three hundred thousand, you said. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. And you don't want to wear brown. I mean, I've, I've saw that guy wearing like Carhartts, brown Carhartts, and then have rattling antlers around his neck, and his buddy <laughs> shot him in the neck. That's kind of Darwin awardish, don't you think? Well, you know? I mean, it's a, I, I kind of look at the same way I look at turkey hunting. You don't want like your red, you know, long underwear shirt hanging out so the top no here. You just don't want to look like a like a turkey, you know. There don't right. look like a deer. I use a uh, decoy sometimes when I'm rattling or calling, and mm -hmm. I always think about when I, because I carry that decoy, it's whole. I mean, it, I don't take it apart and carry it in the field. I'm carrying a whole deer on my shoulder, yeah. a buck through the field, mm -hmm. just walking around. So, you know, maybe taking, if you're doing that, maybe take an extra vest for your deer yeah. decoy or yep. something like that. A lot of hunting vests have orange that kind of pop out and fold over them. A lot mm -hmm. of your uh, turkey hunting vest specifically, because when you carry a turkey out, you're carrying it over your shoulder most of the time. They have like a orange flagging that you can pull out and show the hunter oranges and it needs to be solid unbroken the camo-ish orange doesn't count doesn't count yeah yep. you can get i mean probably the best suggestion to make for people if because a lot of people tune in to the rules and regs this week because mm -hmm. i mean the vast majority of our hunters are, are gun hunters so mm -hmm. they might not be as in tune with everything that's been going over the you know, on over the past couple of months but fw.ky.gov 
on the home page there's an updated um, hunting and trapping guide and it's a, it has a little uh, diagonal banner across it that says that it's an updated version and that's important because a lot of these rules were made changes were made after the guides mm -hmm. were printed and hit the store so online on the fw.ky.gov homepage is the most up-to-date and the most accurate information you can get and there's also links to the CWD page right there on the home home page mm -hmm. as well and then from that CWD page you can see the results of the of the uh, test you can see where all the check stations are you can there's links to our videos for deboning and carcass tag and all those videos are down there yep. so you know before somebody hits the woods this weekend it's probably just a good idea to go to the website and browse <laughs> spend five minutes browsing around yep absolutely pro probably be a good idea well let's see i was wanting to see if there's anything else deer hunting related <clears throat> that I wanted to get to. What about you, Hass? Am I missing anything deer hunting related? Man, I think my biggest my biggest thing deer hunting related is is if you haven't got the gun out, get it out. Oh yeah. You were talking about ammo, but just the small group of people that that you know college buddies and friends from back home that that come out and hunt at our place. I've seen some wild gun related, uh, not dangerous stuff, but just lack of preparation. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best ones, a, a buddy of mine. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but, uh, you know, crosshairs are, uh, you know, up and down. Yeah. He was, he was hunting with an X, Ooh. which. It's hard <laughs> to make know, an adjustment. It, it, you know, he looked at it and the, the little, little turrets at the top, he had them, you know, it was lined up perfectly like an X. And that's what he, you know, he was able to like, he's like, yeah, I'd go like three over and three up to get it sideways. <laughs> and, you know, and at that point, you know, this is like. Friday afternoon, it's like, we can't go back to the drawing board now. Uh, and, you know, he successfully killed a, a deer with the with the. Well, as long as he shot it. As long yeah, as he shot I'll it. Killed it as could be. I can't, there's a but. lot of people out there that go out and buy a gun this Friday and <laughs> right. ask the guy working behind the counter if a bull sighted it for him, and then he's in the woods with it Saturday morning without ever firing a shot, so. Yeah, get him out. And even, you know, my deer rifle sits in, the, it doesn't hardly get used for I'm lucky if it comes out one other time during the year, and I, I'm just yeah. I'm big on getting that. As thing my out brother says, shoot. though, too, change around. You know, he said people ask him, "What ammo do you like for this particular gun?" He's like, "Well, uh, whatever my gun likes best." Yeah, yeah. Well, it might I be. Mean, it's amazing sometimes the difference in manufacturers of how it'll how it'll work through your. You know, I think that's really good advice, Lee, but. This, just right now, our current situation, I, I, be, yeah, I don't know if people are going to be able to pick and choose a whole lot. But um, if you find one to go that your gun likes. Yeah, just hope you, hope you got one. Mm -hmm. And then my other two things yeah. that I'm a stickler on is, you know, I've fallen out of a tree stand. You mm -hmm. have. Dad's fallen out of a tree stand. Where your harness. Uh, and those weren't, it wasn't us doing, it wasn't actually us hunting, it was us hanging them. Yeah. You That's know, probably the most dangerous point, yeah. is, is hanging a stand or getting into or out of yeah. a stand that's already been hung. And we've we've gone to, I mean, it it's a little pricey, but every stand that we've got has one of the ropes that goes up to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, our old our old system, you'd had to climb all the way up there and get onto the hang-on stand before you hooked your strap in. Yeah. And now we've got the rope going all the way up. You know, those darn things, they're reflective. You can see where your stand's at walking into it. They're handy. And we just bought, you know, dozen, 15 of them, and you got one on every stand. You yeah. know you're going to be safe. And then packing that gun into the stand. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's where my, most of our, like, I don't want to say most of our, because most of our hunter accidents are tree stand falls. But yeah. it seems like a lot of the fatalities, we don't have many, but will be somebody, what I think you're getting ready to say is lowering that gun down, especially from yeah. the stand. 
loaded. Or, pack, or packing it down. I mean, mine doesn't, you know, walking into the stand in the morning, the round doesn't go in the chamber until two minutes before first well, light when you know, it's sitting in the A lot of people I know who are getting to be my age, which is, you know, um, a little bit north of dirt, um, <laughs> just hunt out of a ground blind. Yeah, the ground blinds are good. And, and yep. kill the fire out of most but deer. The story with people lower, like, so basically somebody will be in their deer stand with a loaded firearm. And then the hunt's over, so they hook their gun up to their pull rope and they're lowering it down. And then when that gun hits the ground, the butt hits the ground, it's still loaded and, and they might not have the safety on. It goes off just from that contact with the ground. And then where well, you know, the barrel's aimed right Why up at wouldn't you just unload it? Uh, yeah, I mean, pull, the, pull everything Laziness <laughs> or forgetfulness, one of the two, yeah, but it's, I mean, good it to, it's good to double yep. check. I haven't fallen out of a deer stand, but I have seen somebody fall out of a deer stand. and. You know those screw-in steps, the metal ones that go mm -hmm. in? He, oh, God. He fell and caught his chin on one of those yep. on the way down. And then uh, Jam Jameson here, who's a producer, he fell out of a deer stand when he was younger, and he still has both of his wrists. Have, he broke both wrists when he hit the ground. So, yep. I mean, it's nothing to mess with. It's nothing to mess with. I love Those old screw-in kind. Aren't they illegal <clears throat> now? Or No, public land they might be. Yeah, yeah public land they are. But a lot of people are like, I don't want those things. God, oh, those you'll things. impale you. Yeah, they're yeah. they're rough. But uh, my problem is I put all mine in because my deer stands have been out for eight years. Mm -hmm. Not the stands themselves, but a lot of my steps have been. Yep. So like that that tree I killed this buck over my shoulder in this year, I didn't even have a stand in it. It's just a big tree. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm only eight feet off the ground. I've got those screw-in steps that the tree is partially absorbed over the years. And I climb up there. You know how some trees kind of, it wasn't an oak tree. It, I'd have to go back and look at the tree. It was probably a hickory mm -hmm. or a walnut, but it basically came up about eight feet with a huge base and then it branched off into what looks like four other trees that are essentially just huge branches. Yep. And it kind of has that spot right there in the middle of it. And I was just sitting in that spot. But you know, most people want to be 25 foot up a tree and that's just, I'm, I'm, I'm not old yet, but falling out of a deer stand will make me get old a lot faster. Well, now, no, and so, then in my... You know, my, those ladder kind, you kind of just climb up seven steps and you got a platform. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll get great. you. Yeah. In my experience, I mean, I was on the ground before I even knew what happened. Yeah. Completely fine. Landed mm -hmm. on a decently robust dogwood that, that you know, mm -hmm. I've just completely wrecked it. It was completely fine. Yeah. Uh, you don't even have time. <laughs> If you ever think that you're going to reach over and grab the tree or grab the steps, no, no, no. no, hit ground. I was on the ground thinking, huh, all right. Yeah, yeah. that's always that's always like yeah. you know my game plan when I was younger. As a teenager, I was like, I'm just going to jump to the because I always worried more about my tree falling yeah. than mm -hmm. I did falling out of the tree because <laughs> I was hunting. You know, we had a lot of ash, yep. and so a lot of my deer stands were in ash trees mm -hmm. right around the time that the ash borer beetle came through and wiped them all out. So. Yep. You know, I quit. Luckily, I made the decision to quit hunting all of them before they decided to hit the ground. But they were, you know. And people need to be cognizant. There's still a lot of them out there. And oh. You don't want to put your stand near a bunch of dead skags. Even if you're, even if you're, like, I mean, I don't have any stands in ash right now, but there are still a bunch of dead ash that are standing nearby. And it's nothing for me to go out, you know, a week after the last time I hunted it. I'm like, wow, I, that big tree wasn't laying on the ground a week ago. And those ash trees are still falling. Mm -hmm. Yeah from that so just be cognitive but, yeah you know but as far as just a quick rundown i want to i want to move to bear or fur bear i can't decide which one's next probably fur bear because of the reg changes and because technically that's probably coming in first for a lot of people mm -hmm. but um in a nutshell september harvest was great youth was down because the weather was down but the weather looks great for modern firearm season opener seems like everything's lining up to have a great first weekend and week and further for i mean the whole forecast my 10 days showing nothing but great deer hunting weather every yep. single day. 
If you're in the CWD surveillance zone in Fort West Kentucky, a couple things you need to know. Probably a good idea to get on the website regardless of where you're hunting and just browse the rules and regs to see, <clears throat> see what's new or see what you might have missed. Um, safety as far as hunter orange, tree stand safety. Uh, there's some great videos online for people who are needing to figure out how to cape or debone or use a carcass tag or anything like that. Did I miss anything there? That's pretty much our recap, right? It's got it. Go out and have a good time. Be careful. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I like seeing those harvest picks. <clears throat> you know, the Facebook groups and all that stuff. We'll, we'll probably post something to the Kentucky Field Facebook page, you know, next Monday saying, you know, let's see your success over the weekend. Maybe have some kind of a photo contest or something like that. So, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> and then I also said something about, you know, you can use law enforcement as a tool, you know. I mean... 1-800-25-ALERTS to report a poacher if you got somebody trespassing on your property or something like that. Or, you know, people always ask for those numbers. Or there's a KFW law app where you can make an anonymous tip, and it literally doesn't have any of your personal information attached to it at all. So, let's see. There's new bobcat rigs. Yep. And that is something that was brought up to me the other day. Somebody was confused about, how do I get an additional bobcat tag? And that's something that's now an option. People can earn themselves additional bobcats. Yep, and it's the, it's the biggest thing for us, and I'll, I'll uh, I didn't necessarily review every inch of this before we got started well, sold my butcher or anything. To my understanding, it's five bobcats a year is what's legal, right? I think so. Five, yep. So the limit's five, but for every two lower jaws that you submit, you get an additional tag. Yep. Mm -hmm. So essentially, and then I'm, I mean, so there's instructions for that on the website. And I just saw a press release the other day about how some fur bear, it looks like maybe bobcat season moved up a week. Yeah, it bumped up a week. Uh, I think it, it used to open like the last two days of Modern Gun, and I think it bumped up a full yeah, so five or seven days. It was on the 27th of November, which is two days left in Modern Gun. Mm -hmm. I have to go to the website to see when it bumped up too. But basically bobcat season now opens earlier, which gives Modern Gun hunters for deer more opportunity to harvest bobcats and there's also a way where you can earn yourself an additional bobcat or two bob it's it's an additional tag for every two lower jaws that you turn in yep and yep. i've never actually harvested a bobcat so that doesn't apply much to me in this part of the state it doesn't mm -hmm. apply to a whole lot of people but in western kentucky or eastern kentucky where bobcat bobcat numbers are really high people and some people will be cashing in on that and, yep. and the goal of this isn't onerous it's to get a handle on the population dynamics of the bobcat. We really don't know, do we? How yeah, many we well, have we're, or? Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to incentivize getting those two samples. Yeah. So, so what had, does that do? What What is the sample? Yeah, so, so by pulling that tooth, we know we can tell the exact age of the bobcat. Mm -hmm. If you've still got a tooth for your deer, okay. uh, we you could, could cut it and do yeah, the rings. We could cut it and get an exact age. Uh, any of our elk hunters mm -hmm. have got a tooth submission thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, it really applies across everything, otters as well. Uh, the important thing for our bobcat population model is knowing age at harvest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, if you think about, uh, uh, say a pyramid of age classes, people people can think about that in deer terms if they want to, where everybody, you know, your four and a half year old age class, there's obviously gonna be far fewer of them than there is your year and a half old uh, yeah. Buck age class, so it's pyramid shaped. Yeah, um, bobcats are probably the pyramid's probably a little bit narrower, but uh, knowing where the pressure is mm -hmm. is important in our model. So having that age at harvest data. Do we have any firm grasp of our population numbers of bobcats? 
we've got, so we are putting together this, some new modeling packages have come out and we've got an idea, but we can make it much better. Bulletproof, well, I mean, more bulletproof. Yeah. If you, yeah. Actually be able to use it for management with some more tooth. I think it's important people to know this is mm -hmm. to help have more bobcats in the future, not to place a burden. Right. Yeah, well, right. the data, I mean, it has to be statistically relevant. I mean, so mm -hmm. that's basically the number you're trying to reach, right? By yeah, getting we more just samples. simply weren't getting the number, the, the, the percentage of harvested bobcats we were getting, especially from hunters. Uh, that That's what that's what confuses the model a little bit because we've got this section of bobcats that are trapped and we've got this section of bobcats that are that are hunted, whether it's a deer hunter in the stand or somebody like yourself that's actually You have to do your sighting tag hunter. no matter what, correct? Uh, if it's going out of state or you intend to sell it. Okay. But they've got to be telechecked. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. Bobcats uh, are one of those species on the back of the uh, yep. harvest log. It's like deer, turkey, elk, bobcat, mm -hmm. otter. Otter's on there. Otter. Yep. So those yep. are in bear. Mm -hmm. would have to be telechecked also. Yeah. Yep. So we've got, what we ended up doing is kind of breaking the model into two. We've got the trapping portion of it. We've got the, the hunter harvest portion of it. And the hunter harvest, I mean, we were just getting a handful of, of teeth. Uh, so not even enough data to, to fully build out that part of the model. And so this is, you know, we're incentivizing this. If you're really getting after the bobcats, you can get an extra. Uh, if you're not, we just encourage you, you know, help us out with bobcat management mm -hmm. uh, and turn those teeth in. I'm looking here. So bobcat does open this year on November 20th, which is a week earlier than it mm -hmm. had in the past. One half hour before sunrise on November 20th. And it also looks like a bobcat permit is required. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to follow free. up with. Yeah. But it's, it's free. a free permit. And I know, I know that, that Probably there were there you know uh, bobcats get harvested opportunistically by deer hunters and they're not even aware that maybe there's a season. Mm -hmm. They kind of box a bobcat in with a coyote. Yeah. So you know if you're out there, I mean it's important to know what the seasons are. But then if you intend, uh, you know if you're on there buying your deer license this week to go, click that free bobcat permit. It's free. So might yep. as well. Might as well yep. click it. So and that's for anybody uh, hunting and anybody trapping. The big thing, this goes back to our population model, the big thing on that, we wanna know who are actually pursuing them. So another important component of these models is hunter effort. So how many days are these people spending out there? How many trap nights are the, do the trappers have a trap set? So by buying that permit, it gives us you know, a, a subset of our hunting population that we know are focusing on bobcats that we can then follow up with a survey. Yeah, that makes so, perfect sense. And here we said earlier that the <clears throat> limit was five on bobcats. It is, but it says no more than three of which shall be taken with a gun. So five if you're trapping, three if you're strictly hunting. You could take two more if you're trapping. But the way I read this is if you're submitting your jaws. Say you're me, you're hunting bobcats, right? And you take your three you're allowed to get. <clears throat> well, then you can turn in those two of the jaws and get an additional. Yep. So now you can get four. And now you've got two more jaws. So you could potentially take up to five with a gun if you submit all of your jaws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the way, that's the way I read it. Yep. Yeah, that's the way it was explained to me too. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it's really just about better data. But I knew that that had changed recently, so I wanted to hit on it. Bobcat season opens a week earlier this year. There's a free Bobcat permit that's required. You can get online, just click the box, and it's yours. And I'm not 100% sure if that made the original printed hunting guide. I'm, so look, I'm looking, the, I'm looking yep. at the updated one online yeah. here. Check the updated <laughs> one, because I think some of that came in. Uh, it came in late. Under, I remember yeah. got the debate on, you remember. 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's good. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about with you, John, unless there's something else you want to talk about with me, is bear. Yeah. So I never have, there's a lot of different bear seasons. Um, there's a chase season, there's an archery season. I've only ever participated in the in the modern firearm season for bear, which mm -hmm. over, overlaps with muzzleloader for deer, late muzzleloader yep. Yep. for deer. Where's my bear at? Where's my bear? But I'm basically looking at, there we go. <clears throat> I'm basically looking at uh, public land in far south East Kentucky. Now I've hunted Bell County for, for years and the zones are set up. Basically Bell has its own zone, Harlan has its own zone, Perry, Pike, Letcher, McQuarrie, Wayne. I mean, there's a bunch of different zones for specific counties that have the highest bear density. Then there's kind of general zone two, zone three, mm -hmm. that, that encompass a lot of counties. And each zone has its own quota, right? Correct. Correct. Are, are we still doing the thing where we call at midnight? Absolutely, yeah. If you call in, so call our 800-858-1549 after nine o'clock. If you're bear hunting, this is to, for you. For bear hunters, to see if the season's open the next day. You'll get to hear my voice list off what's closed, essentially. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, usually you're looking at, you're looking at uh, two, three days worth of hunting in some of those core counties, Harlan, Letcher, Bell. Um, the quotas are listed on here as well. Yep. So okay. let's just say I'm hunting Bell County this year. Um, Bell zone, where am I looking at my quota? Okay, one, let's it's see, females. So the quotas are all about females. Yep, down at the bottom. Yep, just females. Males, I, I like to say this, that males don't count. Yeah. But uh, when you're managing a species, and bears in particular, they don't really, they don't really matter. Uh, they matter <laughs> even less with bear than, right. because, I mean, well, actually, I take that back. So I'm thinking of the old analogy that we've been given before where you put, uh, 10 does and one buck in a pen and all 10 does are gonna get bred. Yep. You put 10, and you're gonna end up with 20 fawns. You put 10 bucks and one doe in a pen, you're gonna end up with two fawns. So that's just how much more important the females are. Same thing with bear, but they also skip a year in the breeding. They do, they do. So. Um, we just really were able to refine it. I mean, if, if people remember back to, to several years ago, we had a male and female quota. We had basically a total bear quota. It was like 10. Yeah, and as we advanced, I mean, our bear population has grown, our knowledge of it has grown. We realized we could we could sort of not discard the males, but when looking back and moving forward, you know, into the future, it was really the females that mattered. And it yeah. kind of simplifies things for yeah. people a little bit. Males don't drive the population numbers. Right. There were some changes with the chase season that haven't been resolved. Is that correct? With one of the chase seasons? So we got some big stuff coming up for 2022. Okay. And we were talking about this quota and I think, you know, it's past our commission. It's going through uh, the legislative process downtown, but, I, but really it's to get rid of that quota. Um, so instead of basing, you know, bear harvest off a quota, we're going to base it off the number of days the season's open. And mm. that's, that's again a product of now that we've got, we've had good consistent harvests the last couple of years, we can really dial things in. And that ultimately makes it easier on the hunter. They don't have to call in. They, you know, somebody from Paducah can drive over and know they're going to get three days to hunt in Harlan County. Yeah. So essentially if somebody wants to bear hunt, because it might be new to them, you can buy a bear permit over the counter, it's 30 bucks. Correct. And then yep. you, you can go bear hunting if you live, if you have land in the bear zone, which I'm looking at here, it's a pretty good chunk of the state, probably over a third of the state, mm -hmm. the eastern part. Or you can hunt public land, which is what I've always done in, in those zones too. But basically at the end of the day, each day, typically it's when we're at the buffet at the state resort, which is mm -hmm. where we're staying, you know. We'll wait till it says nine o'clock on our phone or whatever time it is. 
we'll pick it up and we'll call it as a group and we'll all sit there and cross our fingers and hope, <laughs> oh, hope yeah. that season's still open the next day. And I, nope. I can only remember like one or two times where I actually listened to the message and I was still down there hunting. Good. Yeah, we, we were staying at Pine Mountain those <laughs> yeah, years. Pine, good. Pine Mountain's not bad. Uh, yeah, that's, that's something for... Killer. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm talking to traveling hunters, uh, have a backup plan. Have a plan B that's, that's a county north. You know, if Harlan County closes, be ready to go to Leslie County. Yeah. Just as many bears. Season's probably going to stay open, you know, all seven days more than likely. And something else that's a good little tip for people, especially like, so I use OnX, and I download these maps. So mm -hmm. I, I save these maps ahead of time before I even go down there to bear hunt. And I'm kind of, you know, because you want to get a game plan together. You never want to walk into the into the woods on public ground or any ground in that part of the state without a game plan for where you want to end up or <clears throat> and things like that for the day. But you won't be able to get service to, to load these maps in a lot, of, a lot of places out there. So I would, if your apps or your maps, whatever you're using has the ability to, I would download those ahead of time so you can use them offline. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. Absolutely. Very helpful. And I don't think you should necessarily, if you've never gone down there and bear hunted before, especially if you're doing it on public land, I mean, hope you're successful and plan to be successful, but use it as a learning experience too. And mark, mark your sign, mark what you're finding, what you're seeing, and then when you go back next year, you got a better chance. Yep. You know, I've I've never taken a bear um, while I've been down there doing it, but every year I go in a little bit more confident because I feel like I learned something the year before. So yep. I think marking sign and you know basically using it as a scouting trip for for the next year, two years down the road is a good idea too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And bear hunting's, I mean, it's fun. And it's half, oh, yeah. half of the reason it's so fun is just the anticipation of it. Yep. You know, I've only seen one bear in the state of Kentucky while actually out, <clears throat> you know, in the wild. Like, mm -hmm. I've only seen one wild bear. But every time I go bear hunting, man, I've just got this picture in my mind. Yep. And I think I might have told you that before. You know, <clears throat> my uncle last year, and that's who I hunted with, we were standing at the truck on Saturday morning getting ready to walk in, and he looked at me and he said, you know, Chase, it's... It's weird, the whole time I'm thinking about coming down here and bear hunting, I'm just envisioning this huge black bear coming through the woods. And he said, now that we're here and I'm getting ready to walk in, I'm just asking myself what a 75 pound bear looks like. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the whole thing. And But it's just the anticipation, you get to daydream yeah. about it when you're out there, you know, you're actively hunting something that most people have probably never gotten a chance to actively hunt before. It'd be mm -hmm. like going on a moose trip or, you know, something like yep. that. It's just almost exotic, but you can do it right here in your backyard. Yep. And we got great public land down there. Oh yeah, there's I a mean, lot of public land. A lot of public land. You got the entirety of the Daniel Boone National Forest will, mm -hmm. be, will be open. It's, you know, in a couple different county zones, so, mm -hmm. so make sure you know where you're at. Shalala Creek WMA? Shalala Creek, we've got some of our some of our our better elk hunting areas like your Boone Forest Lands, Elk Forest WMA, uh, down there around Middlesboro, Ataya WMA. These are places that have bears, and it's you know fifty or a hundred thousand acres of of country. Uh, I mean, so Middlesboro is kind of the area I'd hunted before mm -hmm. in Bell County, and I mean, so much bear sign. Yep. And I mean, I had a trail camera out, and I missed one by twelve hours one time. I hunted Saturday and Sunday, checked my trail camera, he was there the night of, yep. in between me being there. So there's definitely bears down there. I just think I'm a novice bear hunter, and that's why I haven't had much luck. And there's also luck that goes into it. So you, you like know. bear meat? I've had a little bit of it. Uh, we would, the pioneers complained all the time and made them sick. Well, they they dad's like, I'm never eating bear meat yeah. again. We had, a, we had a guy that made it some of the best any kind of wild game I've had, but he knew what he was, knew what he was doing. I've never had bear. Yep. I would like to try it. Have you yep. eaten it? I have not. I'd like to try it. I've eaten a lot of other stuff. 
I've eaten raccoon, possum, I, groundhog. You know, and my granddad, he would look forward. We had there was a country church up in Indiana had a coon supper. Nice. He'd start talking about that three months before. We're going to coon supper this year, Lee? I was like, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Coon's nasty. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we used to have a wild game cook at church in Shelby County when I was a little kid. And, I mean, the one that sticks out to me as being way better than I ever thought it would be was a pulled groundhog. It was like mm -hmm. pulled, it was in a crock pot mm -hmm. and they put barbecue sauce in there and it was groundhog meat and it was all that pulled. It's squirrel like that and it was oh, pretty good. It was yeah, good. Look at what the old groundhog's eating. It's eating the same thing your deer are eating. Yeah. You know, it, it's out there picking around. Groundhog meat is pretty surprisingly good. Yeah. When did you, you look like it better than coon? I think I did, but I also am a big fan of pulled barbecue. You know, yeah. so I mean, anything smothered that in barbecue sauce. looks like pulled pork I'm going to yeah. get along with. It, it's a little darker than pork. Um, the the groundhog meat was definitely darker, but it was good. I might try that again sometime. I've got enough deer right now. I've taken two this year. I've got enough deer to last me a little bit, but yeah. uh, top of that freezer. I'll probably need to, before this Saturday, I probably need to go out to my, my little freezer and rearrange, see how much room I can make, you know. Probably a couple things in there that need to be thrown away too. Mm -hmm. I think I got two coyote hides that, yeah, probably just need to get rid of them. Yeah. I always, every time I take a coyote, I've, I've got big expectations for what I'm going to do with its hide, you know. And I spend two hours skinning them out and stinking everything up, and <laughs> they end up going in the freezer in a garbage bag. And I'd say, you know, every year I do something with one or two of them. And sometimes I'll full, you know, fully cape them out. Some of the coyotes back here at Slato have been ones that have sat in the freezer for years and then finally find a good use for them. So anyway, guys, that's a, that's all I have written down. I wanted to go through. Any new bear regs you can think of right now for this year? Uh, nothing, no changes for this year. So okay. anybody hunting, it's the same as remember, it has but, been. The but last I've been working on that, yeah. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you what, man, we, we ran through regs today for deer. We ran through CWD surveillance zone, special regulations. We ran through changes to Bobcat. We ran through bear. People just need to check out this guy right here. Yep. You can pull it up on your phone. It's online. I mean, before you go into the woods to hunt anything, especially if it's your first time hunting it, I would check the check the rules and regs. Heck yep. yeah. And because a lot of people are a little bit too out of the loop on that. A lot of people don't know anything. The well, I don't know if I'd say. Well, as long as they I know how to get to the website. Fishing, they didn't had no idea what fw.ky.gov what species they yep. just caught and i've seen people keep it's like you can't keep those mm -hmm. you know that's yep. or, what do you mean well that's a channel catfish it's a, you're in a fins lake you can't keep that many 1-800-858-1459 that's the info center and they'd be more than happy to help you out too yep. yep the other thing the only other things i was wanting to run through were basically with some of the stuff we got coming up on the show this weekend we have a, a youth hunt that our conservation officers organize each year and we tagged along with them this year for that so that's on the show along with the new deer hunt next weekend is we're going to air our, our elk trip for this year awesome. and we went about this year's elk trip differently we didn't hunt elk with a hunter like we've done in the past this year we tagged along with joe mcdermott who's a biologist an elk biologist here for the department and we tagged along with the conservation officers on opening weekend of bull firearm and that was pretty fun. Got to see some of the stuff Joe was doing, liver samples and some other samples for mm -hmm. compare and contrast to other states to assess the overall health of our elk herd, see yep. if see if some of the heavy metals in the mining sites have an effect on them or not. Mm, that's cool and then, stuff. And then our I got to tag along with the conservation officer and we got in a pursuit with a couple of ATVs on a coal mine, which was, I'm more impressed with these new Dodge trucks than I thought I would be. <laughs> like I said, when we switched from the Ford to the Dodge, I was a little bit, it's a little knob you got to turn to shift gears. Yeah, well, my dad is in his new, Edge. I just I was like, 
I still don't feel right. But it, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel tough. It doesn't feel like you're driving a tough vehicle mm-hmm. when you sh- when you're like turning on a washing machine to, to start it. <laughs> but it drives nice, huh? Oh, I, and it handles the coal mines better than I thought it would. We hit a couple of ditches that I thought. I mean, I this is the end of this truck. <laughs> Going up there, Dan Crank, my God! And they took delight when I'd be covering those early elk hunts and seeing how far ahead they could get on a strip job from we novices that didn't know crap. And bam, bam. <laughs> Bam! And I went through a one time I went through it and I went over some old Sarisa and I didn't realize I was going to drop 16 inches off. And I thank God I didn't take out the oil pan, but I <laughs> bam hit the frame hard and put in forwards like Bzz! I didn't realize, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dan knew just he just went just a little bit and then he came back. He'd be laughing. God, they finally pull over and feel sorry for him. Yeah, they that, enjoy that. Speaking of that, I got two things. Uh, one, Jameson got a. Uh, car sick this year on the elk trip and oh. he was trying to follow joe mcdermott through the call he was a passenger oh my god well joe's bell they joe, love that stuff up there. yeah joe was driving down those coal mines i don't think there's posted speed limits but jameson no, he was in the truck trying to try not to barf and then trying i mean it was it was bad news for jameson i felt bad for him yeah. on that one second thing is that you can actually buy our vehicles at our surplus auction each year <laughs> if you're interested in a widely used truck <laughs> well i'm gonna say that uh, I don't want to say anything, but some of them are pretty well taken care of. Yeah, yeah they are. I will say this: some of them been rode hard and put up with. Yeah, several of the ones times. I've turned in, I've seen them live, leave on auction day and just wondered. I hope they're a good mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, if well, they are, they got a they got a gym, mm-hmm. but uh, they've been. Well, see, that's a case. Hard. That's a case for some of them, but it's kind of you get lucky with some of them too, because like our truck out here is in great condition. Yeah. I mean, it's oil changed regularly, everything's serviced. I mean, everything works great. So it's kind of like, you kind of want to know, did I get this from an elk biologist or did I get this from information education? Just Salado's vehicle. If you look under it and it looked like there's concrete sprayed up underneath, which is what mine mud does when it dries, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give it a hard pass. <laughs> no, <laughs> I tell people that all the time, but I mean, I, we probably shouldn't be saying this, but. It's all good, guys. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. If you're a mechanic, you get a great deal. But. Absolutely. Well, I saw some guys bidding one time for a little 10-foot Johnny, and it had a big hole right in the front of it. I can take well that. <laughs> exactly. I was like, they ended up yeah. paying $350. I think you buy a new Grizzly for like 450 or 500 I was like, save your $50 and go buy a new one. Not a boat <laughs> with a hole in it you can see. Oh, and they, they got in the bidding war over I was yeah. like, shh, I don't touch that. All right, guys. All right, well, I'm going to call it quits. I appreciate you all coming in. Thank you. Good luck this weekend.